which is this complete dentistry and full mouth rehabs or whatever you want to call them only happen when the patient says yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we as dentists are dreadful communicators. And we, we say things like, oh, Mrs. Jones, you know, you need, you need 17 crowns and you need to have uh, equal intensity contacts and posterior exclusion and this, this, and this. So when would you like to get started? And we wonder why they don't do it. You know? Digital is a fantastic communication tool. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Hello, Petrusarati. I'm Jazz Gulati, and this is episode 57 of the Petrusive Dental Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, we will talk about digital occlusion and not the nitty-gritty, overcomplicated kind of stuff when it comes to occlusion, the really important stuff, like, for example, how to use digital photos and digital scanning to make sure that you do not get can't in the in a patient's smile how to predictably raise the occlusal vertical dimension using digital techniques to make sure that when it comes time to fitting the provisionals or fitting the definitives in the patient's mouth then everything will be much more likely to work and need less adjustments because really that's what occlusion is about doing less adjustments and more predictability okay so i'm sorry not sorry that this is such a long episode right this is a mammoth episode i really appreciate that so you might have to do it like in two commutes or three commutes or that's a lot of onions you have to chop to listen to this episode but there is a reason for this right the flow was just too good like originally i was gonna do this as a two-part episode but I just loved Ian's storytelling. So for those of you who know Ian Buckle, uh, he was an educator for the Dawson Academy in the UK, which I don't believe exists anymore, but I did all the modules of Dawson with Ian. And you know what? I hung on to his every single word. He's such a great educator, great storyteller. I learned so much about occlusion from him, but also about communication. But my friend, I appreciate that this long episode is not for everyone. So if you are really hungry for that special knowledge, that hot tip for digital occlusion, and when Ian gives it away, then I'll probably start listening from the 50, 52 minute mark onwards if you really, really want to, but you will miss out on a lot. So for most of us who are happy to listen to the journey and listen to his stories before we get to the sort of the sexier part, which is the actual how to make digital occlusion work for us, man, you are in for a treat in this episode in the beginning. Um, I mean, let me just put this into context for you without actually ruining the story. The story is that imagine you or your, your partner uh, is pregnant and the doctor tells you that the baby will have lots of conditions, disabilities potentially, and one of those disabilities or complications is that your baby's teeth, the baby that will be coming to this world, your baby's teeth will be malformed. Maybe they will not have any teeth, right? So when Ian found out that this was gonna be happening with his daughter-to-be, he was heartbroken, right? So what do you do as a dentist, right? If you're told this, what's the one thing you could do? Well, the one thing you could do is at least you can fix the teeth. And so, that took Ian on this journey of learning and upskilling and making connections so that when the time comes, he can help his daughter and he'll have a team around him 
to be able to help his daughter, which I just think is so noble, right? So that's his story and listen to that and how that inspired him. But we also talk a lot about career decisions. Should you specialize? Should you do a master's? Or um, what are the complications in going in a private route and just upskilling with courses? So we talk about these themes. So there's loads of communication gems in there, which you would expect for an episode with Ian Buckle. Now, just before we join the episode, I want to share the Protrusive Dental Pearl for this episode. So many episodes ago, I gave you a pearl, which I think is now false, right? So I changed my mind. And another pearl I gave you in the episodes was that there's something very unattractive about someone who can't change their mind. So I think it's a beautiful thing that we can change our minds. Uh, And so the pearl I want to adjust is the one where I told you that how you do anything is how you do everything. So how you do anything and how you is, is, is how you do everything. So there is some beauty in that. And I think there's a lot we can learn from that. But let me tell you why I've changed my mind, right? The time right now is 5.50 a.m. I woke up at 4.15 a.m. UK time. Uh, I did my beard, which is a thing. When you got a beard like this, you have to tame it. Uh, and I had coffee, had breakfast, and now it's yeah 5.50 and I'm recording this. Uh, and I'm telling you this not to gain your sympathy or your bravado or anything like that. It's because last night I was supposed to do some recording. So it's supposed to be an evening session. My producer was supposed to have it by now so he could start working on it, but I didn't do it because my son was just in such a great, so my son, my son is 18 months. His name's Ashan, he's 18 months. And wow, you know, he's developing this unique personality. He's got so much energy. He's just bouncing off the walls. And last night he was just, he was a comedian. He was being a comedian. He was just doing all these shenanigans and I was just loving every moment of it. So I just decided that, okay, you know what? Uh, I will not be doing my recording. I will be spending more time with my son and I don't regret it at all. I love it. Uh, and so because this podcast needs to come out there and I value you and I value your listenership and I value the podcast. I love podcasting. It's so much fun, right? So I am up early to do it. And uh, I mean, I mean, you know, I've got good energy about me, as you can see. Hopefully I'm not sounding like lack of energy or anything like that. So uh, the lesson to be learned here is what do you value? Because whatever you value, that should govern what you do care about and what you should give everything for. For example, on the Protrusive Dental Community Facebook group, Sheetal Kabanda, Sheetal buddy, what you posted was you said, is there a way to get Alexa to play the Protrusive Dental podcast? And I sort of made a video saying, look, Google can do it, Siri can do it. I'm sure Alexa can do it, right? So find out if Alexa can do it. If not, I'll make it happen. Uh, And then when I post that video, I realized, oh my gosh, my desktop background is so messy, right? So uh, who, who else has a really messy uh, desktop background, right? So I've got a very messy uh, desktop background. And then Dami, Dami Bakare, uh, old friend from dental school, he commented saying, wow, that is one messy background. You're such a busy guy. And I was like, oh gosh, he's right. You know, it's such a messy desktop background. And I thought, why is that? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty organized in my dentistry and stuff. Uh, and so why is it that my desktop background is so messy? Well, I thought about it and I thought, you know what? I don't value the desktop background. And I think sometimes we have to limit all the things we value, you have to write them down. And that's what you will apply, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? Because it's impossible to do everything at the highest level. So last night I valued my son and I value my son, so I spent more time with him. I'm valuing you and I'm here right now recording the morning. I don't value the aesthetics of a clean, 
desktop background. And also I don't have normal person OCD. Obviously as a dentist, I have OCD when I'm doing teeth, but normal person OCD, I don't have. So I can live with a messy background. I know some of you probably can't. So it's all about that. What, what I'm trying to babble here is that find out what is it that you value, make time for it. You'll always make time for the things that you value uh, and things that you don't value will get squeezed and crushed and moved to the side. And that's totally cool. Don't be too harsh on yourself if that's the case. Accept it. That, accept that that's the beauty of it, that you can value some things and really give it your all and everything else that you don't value doesn't deserve the best of you. So I hope you enjoy that, Pearl. And let's join Ian Buckle with the story of digital occlusion. Still, it was very basic. It was pretty basic dentistry in those days. And, and then, you know, I sort of moved on. You get a little bit more um, interested in dentistry. And the probably the first thing that uh, we were able to get better at, if you like, was was, was endodontics when rotary instruments came out. Uh, and despite what uh, many people might think about me, maybe you as well, Jez, is uh, I'm quite a shy person. And uh, I, I remember going to the session <laughs> six section. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I had to see, uh, you know, it took, you know I was brought up in the generation with my grandmother saying children should be seen and not heard. So um, I knew my place. Um, but uh, so I went to this section 63 meeting and I was, uh, you know, I, I thought it was very interesting that I could get good at this and I wanted to provide good care for the patients and also, also have an interest for myself, you know, um, you know, there's a selfish part in there as well. And so I stayed behind, waited till the end. And, and I said to the guy who happened to be, the dean as well, you know, I'd really like to get involved. What is it I need to do? And it's just like, well, it's a three-year course, full-time. If you don't like it, you know, you tough luck. And, you know, I it was extremely disappointing, you know, because, you know, I, I had a, a a young family at the time, you know, mortgage like everyone else, all those things. Um, and it was, it really just seemed like a massive obstacle and and, you know, I, I didn't know how to get past that. You know, I, 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 I always like to mention my, my friend Mike Horrocks at this stage because Mike was was round. He was a, a year or two older than me, uh, but he went and got on with it and did it. And I, and what he's done with his endo stuff, I think, is is fabulous. And the way he's encouraged practitioners to, you know, say, look, you know, let let me show you how to do a better endo, and then and then it gets people interested. When you get someone interested, then they then they start really getting into all the other stuff and the research and uh, and and uh, and there's different ways of doing it rather than that traditional three years sit study some stuff and then come out and think you know everything. You know, I think there's a there's a great way of learning. I think a lot of us, uh, I think a lot of us in dentistry are very practically based. So we like to do something, and then when we've done it, then we like to find out. How did how that come together? How did it work? So, so that was uh, that was my first sort of thing, you know. And then I just wanted to stop you there and, and say that um, um, what you said there was very relevant. Some of the themes that we've had with, with the guests on the on the podcast before, whereby we've talked about the specialist route and, and actually doing the Emplin Den in in pros or endo or whatever. And then there's the the sort of the other route, which is the one I'm pursuing now. I'm, I'm doing uh, external based courses. I, I know my limitations. I'm, I'm using mentors as much as I can. And there's a whole beauty of that side as well, which I think sometimes when you're uh, a new grad, you're all starry-eyed and you sort of map out your career path. Okay, I'm going to do dental foundation, then a core training in hospital, then I'll apply for my Emplin Dent, and then I'll be a specialist. And a lot of people, about 50%, I think, seem to be geared towards that. And then 
the real world hits you, mortgages come, the time thing comes, children come. And then you sort of think, actually, there's this whole other route uh, that it's very fruitful. Yeah, no, for, for sure. You know, I mean, you've got to be respectful of anyone who puts time into anything, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think both have, have value. Uh, I obviously have experience more of one than the other. Um but dentistry at the end of the day is, is a hands-on sport. It's a practical thing. And, and you know, um, learning while you're doing the job, it, 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 I've always seen dentistry as an apprenticeship more than anything else. Uh, I think I'm still, still an apprentice, so we should all be apprentices. But so I think there's, there's value in those. But I, I think because everyone does it doesn't mean it's the right thing for you. I think there are some, some great opportunities in postgraduate education that aren't along that MCLIN dent. And, you know, I think there's a, be careful what I say, you know, but I think there's a lot of things out there, which is about getting a piece of paper rather than actually what you need to know to be a, a really good practitioner. I think there's advantages in having the piece of paper. Um, you know, it's too, too late in the day for me, you know, so, uh, but, uh, I think there's advantages to that. And, uh, I can imagine how that sits in the in the uh, in the modern world, but certainly the I think the absolute key is what you just referred to, which is whichever it is, get yourself a mentor, get yourself someone who you can resonate with, get someone who has you know your best interests at heart, not theirs. You know, I think the you know we, we talked for years about having a teacher's heart and 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 really what that is is the whole idea is is the purpose of teaching is 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 to get your students to be better than you are you know i i mean i i, I was sort of quite late to the game in many ways and uh, i don't regret it because i was busy doing very interesting things uh, <laughs> so um but you know i again it's it's it, it's you know that old expression when the student is ready the teacher appears but to have someone you know find someone that you that you like what they do that you think has a good ethos and 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 uh, um you know is ethical etc and, and then ask them if they'll if they'll help you you know i mean there's a lot of you know we're so fortunate in dentistry that there's a lot of great people out there who will help you and guide you towards the things that uh, uh, uh will help you in your career path i think you know, one of one of the things that that we talk a lot about in in dentistry, but I think it's it's just as important, if not more important, in 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 life and in your career, is to have very clear goals for what it is you'd like to achieve. I know, I, I mean, my you know, it's a little bit strange for me now because uh, you know I talk about these things, and like my, my son's going to be thirty in a couple of weeks' time, so. You know, you sort of lived that whole thing with, uh, but what are your goals? Where are you going to end up? And, you know, I can remember him saying to me, but, you know, but I don't know where that's going to be. None of us do. And, but the thing is, if you don't have a clear goal, don't be surprised if you end up somewhere you didn't expect. Uh, very often, if it's our best guess right now, that's what we're, that's what we're aiming for. So if you're not absolutely certain, don't be, don't be afraid of that. Don't be shy of it. Um, it's your best guess right now. Go for it. And you'll be things, you know, fate will take its hand. You, you'll see other things along the way. Maybe you'll refocus your goals. But, you know, planning is, is really important. You know, I, I, I really like being a general practitioner. That's what I want. That's what, or what I want to do. There's two, the dentistry is about people. It's about the, the, the whole functional system. It's about, it's not just about teeth. It's not about perio. It's not about ortho. And certainly when I was taught dentistry, it was very departmentalized and almost mm. everything was competing against each other. 
Well, well, my patients just want me to look after them and look after them appropriately and to, you know, to have the knowledge and advise them. So it doesn't mean to say that you're the expert at everything. There's, there's, there's a lot to be said for being a great generalist who, mm. uh, you know, can do a lot of great things, can serve our patients tremendously well, but also just know stuff so that if the situation needs it, then we can refer or get involved with other people that help us. I mean, I, I, I am incredibly fortunate now. I have a tremendous periodontist and orthodontist and um, all sorts of other people that help me out when it gets beyond my range, you know, but we, we all have the same goals. We're all looking to achieve the same things. And so, but Ian, one interesting thing you, you mentioned about your orthodontist and, and the great team, but uh, people need to know that you're very uh, unique uh, in that uh, when when someone when the right case comes along and 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 the best person for the job is uh, your friend uh, in San Sebastian, Alberto. Alberto. Yeah, so, yeah. so a lot of the patients will come to you in the Wirral, and as part of your comprehensive diagnosis, uh, some of them will end up having uh, orthodontics, am, am I right? Um, and they will uh, have a little jolly uh, in, in, in San Sebastian <laughs> and, and see Alberto. Is that right? Well, yeah, you, you've got the theme correct. You know, I mean, we, we, again, um, I, I, came across, I came across Alberto. Alberto is actually in Barcelona. Domingo is in, in San Sebastian. Both are, both are great cities to visit as well. So if you ever get the chance, it's great. I, I came across both of those guys um, as part of my journey. And uh, it, it was, you know, I, going back to what I was saying uh, before, we talked about endo a little bit. I, I always wanted to, you know, the thing I, I liked was to try and make teeth look like teeth. It was, it was a Know, just a bit of a fascination for me and we came across uh, I, won't, I won't go into down that line at the moment but came across very many uh dead ends as far as that was concerned and you know the cosmetic stuff helped me a lot with that but but 20 almost 25 years ago our our, our middle child was born and she was born with a genetic disorder called incontinentia pigmenti and part of that um when, we, when she was six weeks old, we were told she might be blind, deaf, mentally retarded, a skull might not grow, all these different things. Uh, but as part of that, um, she might have missing and misshapen teeth. Uh, and I think many of us as dentists, we, we, we just love to fix things, you know. And, it, you know, obviously when you're told things like that, it sort of takes a little bit of getting used to. Uh, but out of it, it's go, okay, so what can I do? And... The only thing that I could do, because most of it was just about waiting, um, but the only thing that I could do was to try and get to know the people that could help her if she needed it when she was older. And I knew she might need ortho. I knew she might need implants. So my, you know, I, as I say, I, I, I personally, I was much more interested in, in aesthetics, cosmetics, whatever you want to call it, and trying to make things look nice and make them work well because you know, our American friends are very cosmetically based, but, you know, with us being Europeans and British, we know that it needs to work properly as well. Um, so I was, I was fascinated about how to bring those things together. And that sort of led me towards Dawson and all those other stuff. Um, but with this, it really uh, brought me on that journey to try and find particularly orthodontists that would put the teeth where I needed them to go. And, 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 and as I was, that whole Dawson thing, as I said, it was more about being a designer. You know, where do the teeth need to go in the patient's face to make them look great and work well and be biologically healthy? Um, and and that's that's what that's about. It's about design. And then how you get them there 
is really between you and the patient, which is about an appropriateness and what's best for them. Uh, you know, I, I mean, some of that cosmetic stuff got a little bit out of hand and, you know, it was diamond driven orthodontics, you know, but I mean, that's, that's just misuse as, as, as often we do. But if you, the interesting thing is, and I you know I, is that if you look at Pete's book from 50 years ago, you know, it, it talks about treatment options. He's talked about reshape, reposition, restore, and then surgical stuff. And when, when I first saw that list, I thought, well, that's great because I like restoring teeth. I'll choose that one. But actually what he was talking about was this is the most minimal way to do stuff. Maybe we could just alter things a little bit. Maybe we need to move the teeth first. And again, if you look in Pete's book, he was using rubber bands and paper clips and all sorts of things to try and move teeth, you know, just to get them in the right place to minimize preparation. And the restoration was just a bit on the top. And certainly if it was going to be my daughter, you know, what would what would I want for her? Well, we need to put the teeth in the right place. So what I have to do is, is minimal to nothing. Um, and, and through that, so through all this, I, I met, I came across a group called the face group was, was known in the States of perhaps more as the Roth Williams group. Mm. Um, but they actually practiced orthodontics with the same goals that I had in my prosthodontics. So they, like the stable composition, we like the teeth to come together at the same time. We like a nice envelope of function and guidance, etc. So, so we had some people that were looking that were looking at the same thing. They weren't just straightening teeth, you know. Um, so, I came across those guys. I actually came across a guy called Carl Roy over in the states, uh, who's phenomenal uh, and such such a nice man and, and and helped us tremendously but he said you know and you should go meet domingo in in san sebastian he's much closer to you and I, i'll be honest with you i at that stage i'd had a lot to do with the states and i thought well you know i'll go and meet him but it we'll, we'll see i think we'll be coming over here and, and domingo is just the most charismatic person the tremendous guy orthodontist uh, the most motivational person you could you could ever meet and 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 his right hand man was Alberto, who 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 I've just had tremendous pleasure working with, and um, and so we actually, you know, with no disrespect to any of my countrymen or wherever, you know, my decision was that if I wanted to get these teeth exactly where they needed to go, then I was prepared to take it to San Sebastian every six weeks uh, to have a treatment done, which is what which is what we did for for almost three years, you know? Um, but but it so, blew my mind when you told me that, but it blew my mind even further that you've continued that relationship now and, you know, you yeah. um, send your patients, uh, the right patient who who, who's, uh, who has everything aligned and it works out to, con- to get continual treatment uh, in this mo- modality of referring you know, uh, you know, getting a flight, going to a very nice part of the world to, to get some orthodontics on a regular basis. It, it blew my mind, but it showed me so much about how much you care about the vision, the end result, and you found someone who, uh, a team that is so in tune with your philosophy. Oh, you know, you know, Jess, we, we, we talk about this and we, we, we um, talk about, uh, what do they call it? But they call it the daughter test, you know? So what would you do for your daughter? Well, nothing could be further you know, be closer to the truth, I should say, you know, um, you, you know, for, for me, you, you do anything. So it, it was really just a case of if I, if I believe it's the right thing to do, misguided as I may be, then, uh, uh, then that's what it, that's what's going to happen. So, you know, and, and so 
you know, but through that, I, I've had some of my orthodontic friends take the face training courses. So, you know, we've had, you know, I was very fortunate we had Alberto working here for a while. Um, and then, you know, we, we have also worked with other face trained orthodontists here. Um, but we do get, you know, Alberto for me uh, and Domingo are sort of top of the tree with ortho, TMD, surgical things. And so, you know, I, I mean, for better or worse in my practice, I, I, I see some very challenging cases now. And, uh, you know, my, my, my goal and my duty more than anything else that I do is, is to make sure that that patient is taken care of as well as I can. And, you know, I, I think, I said, I don't wish to be, uh, to comment. I'm sure people, other, other people have uh, better situations than I do, but, you know, sometimes I'd send patients to the orthodontist and the teeth would come back where the orthodontist wanted them, not where I wanted them. Um, you send them to the implantologist and the implant is where you found the bone, not where you wanted the tooth. Um, so for me, everything was about the design, the final design. And then we moved it. We got everything into place to do that. And so I needed guys that were respectful of it. Uh, and, and that's where my team was. And, and you know, when it came, particularly when it comes to, you know, I mean, I don't think anything could be more challenging than ortho orthodontic stuff. And so you need a great team of people uh, who I know is going to take care of someone. And Alberto has a phenomenal team in Barcelona. So, you know, until, you know, I, I, I'm hoping to find someone in Thornton Hoff just up the road, but that hasn't happened yet. So uh, well, uh, let me tell you what I'm doing then, now to hopefully you know, have someone. So, so you inspired me massively with that when I, when I learned about that. Then you actually introduced me to the face group. And I was actually at the time I was doing my diploma in orthodontics. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We've worked so hard on this, the Protrusive team, and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. Uh, and now a good friend of mine uh, who's now a specialist orthodontist, uh, I won't embarrass him, I won't name him. He messaged me the other day saying, Jazz, I know, you, you know you're into occlusion, you like that kind of thing. Uh, I'm considering uh, to go to S Seattle to do the COIS. Uh, I'm an, you know, he's an orthodontist and he wants to do the COIS. And I said, hang on a minute, hold your horses. Have you heard of the face group? So I joined the Facebook group of face and I invited him and I'm, I'm, I'm getting his exposure in a little bit of selfish way that hopefully one day I'll have a, an orthodontist nearby who will have this sort of uh, same philosophy. So thank you, Ian, for, for introducing me uh -huh. to, to, to so much and so, something that's uh, so broad. And uh, it, it was a great thing to be able to give him uh, sort of a pathway as well. Well, the, the, you know, the fantastic thing, Jez, is, you know, you know, we, we talk about this and then as they, I'm glad we sort of haven't got down those sort of like occlusion war type things, you know, which is all the little details that people, you know, debate about, you know, the best thing you can do is, is get with, with, with colleagues uh, and talk, you know, and, you know, again, a lot of the reason why things don't work out with orthodontists is you send a letter 
with no detail on. They do whatever they feel like, and then we wonder why we didn't get the result that we wanted. Why is that? Because there's no clear goals. So, um, you know, the the thing is to find to find an orthodontist, to find people who have the same goals as you, who 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 want to listen, who want to work as part of the team, who have the ultimate goal to take care of the patient. And you know, if if we can do that, then I mean, then we can hopefully point them in the right direction to get the training that they need to be able to do it. You know, so uh, you know, I can I commend you for that. Nothing would give me greater pleasure than for all of us to have an orthodontist, et cetera, close by that, that could, do, could do these things, you know, but uh, until, until then, uh, I'm still going to advise people, this is what I think is best. And then it's up to them whether they, they do it or not, you know, um, we all make our decisions. So, um, but uh, I mean, that's, that, that was a you know, big commitment for us. Um, we, uh, but, you know, it was, a, she got tremendous treatment. Uh, she unfortunately had me to finish it off. So, uh, um, she's now 20, she'll be 25 in a, in a couple of weeks time. I've I know seen her smile. She's, she's come to one of the dinners. It's, it's amazing. So you've done, you've done great work and oh, as a team. So well, thanks. Yes. But you know, and she's, she's, you know, the most important thing is, she, you know, she's very happy and it's given her a huge amount of confidence. You know, I, 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 I see, you know, through, through that, I came across a lot of youngsters who had, similar similar problems and you know it is just i mean i've got one i mean i i'm sure there's lots that are very successful um but you know i i just one that springs to mind i mean this lady she'd be having orthodontics for, for 14 years and you know she actually had the same problems as uh, as as dulcie but the reason the reason why she'd been having ortho for all those times is, is because there was no real plan and there was no real design and I know it comes, it actually came back to, you know, I was sent it as a, as a dental problem because when often when you don't have teeth, there is, you have small jaws and X and Y and Z and all these other things follow. And, and we, and we look at teeth and we look at jaws and we think about how we do that. And, and I, and I, and I, the first question I asked him is what, what's your problems, Amy? What can I do to help you? And she said, I, I really don't like the way I look. And I said, is, well, is, is that your smile? Or she said, no, my face. You know, I really don't mm. like my face. And because she's got, got small jaws, you know, she's got the, the nose and the chin coming in. She's got very small mouth. And she, you know, she's, she was 22 years old. And she's saying to me, you know what, Ian, this isn't getting better, is it? And, you know, but, but that, you see, that, that is, you know, that's, it's an aesthetic thing. I think it's a, a really important thing. But, here, but here's another thing. So then when you do your complete examination, which is, of course, my hobby horse, it's like, well, you know, you notice the dark rings on the eyes. Did you sleep okay? Well, not very well. And to cut a long story short, she had severe sleep apnea. You know? mm -hmm. So doing, she was actually, she actually had surgery and ortho and implants and whatever else. And, but, she now breathes properly. She's healthy. She's well. She's got a beautiful smile. She's, you know, she's loving life, you know. So, you know, but, but, but it comes down to that, you know, forget that you're a dentist. Forget that you're an orthodontist. Forget what, what, what is it that the patient's looking for, you know. If they didn't come in because we've just bought a, a scanner. They didn't come in just because we've bought Invisalign or whatever it might be. They came in for your valued opinion. 
you know now we we all go on the internet these days and we come up with these crazy things like oh uh, all my teeth are falling out do you do pinhole gum surgery <laughs> yeah but how are they related that actually was a patient this week um so you know and we and we choose we we, we choose what we think is appropriate our job or my job is if if my pal walked in the door, which he did yesterday, and said, "Hey, Ian, what what can you do to help me?" That that's that's what I'm there for, you know. I I, I just got to use my knowledge to help them as appropriately as possible. So, it's it's not just about teeth and and ortho. It's about the patient and what's appropriate for them, and actually trying to help them be healthy for a lifetime. You know that 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 would be uh, the the best the secret of a good job is that no one ever really appreciates it. So I, I'm hoping that in, in 30, 40 years when Amy's there, she's not even thinking about what's gone on because it just worked well for her and she was being healthy and well and she doesn't realize what the, what the other path might have looked like. You know? mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so, yeah, so that's, that's my... Uh, I mean, that's I, philosophy. I, I'm, this is your, this is your yeah, origin I, story. This is your philosophy. Yeah, and, 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 you, and you know, it's just a, but it's just about taking care of people and, and trying to do the right thing. And we also get plenty of people, we talk about those things, but maybe it's not appropriate for them or for whatever reason. And, and, and sometimes there's other things that we can do for them, which maybe isn't as optimal, but and compromises can be okay, provided mm-hmm. that we don't harm people. Um, and that everyone understands the compromise. You know, you know, we always plan for the optimal, but there's, there's compromises. Life is full of compromises. It's absolutely fine, you know. But we just got to understand there should also be a line at which we go. That's that's. I'm not doing that. I, w- I wouldn't do that to my pal. I'm not doing it. You know. I'm getting flashbacks uh, I, from from being on on the courses with you in in the Wirral. And one of the most biggest takeaways I had uh, was just the way that you communicate uh, with patients and how you pass that on to us. And these little little lessons that, you know, you've, you've burnt your fingers. You're not afraid to share the times that you've burnt your fingers, you know, ask me how I know kind of thing. Uh, and you pass that on to us uh, and, and, and the quotes and the sayings that you had. One of my favorites being, uh, when all is said and done, more is said than done. And you know, all the various <laughs> things that, you know, I sort of memorize what you say. In one of the episodes, I sort of talked about the thing, uh, one of the pearls from the episode I gave was, uh, I, how I now start most of my new patient consultations uh, saying that um, the secret of success is to be thorough in what you do. And, and that is then my cue to, to do everything exactly A to Z comprehensively on every patient every time so they get the best of me. And, and that's like that starts it off. So there's so many communication gems I, I, I got in there. So now we know your origin story and your philosophy. Uh, and now I'd like to uh, go deeper into the, the part two, uh, into digital occlusion I, I just want you to know i mean that those 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 little sayings that i have they didn't happen overnight i mean i i, I often think a lot of what we do is like comedy you know it's like you, you tell a joke mm, it goes okay you know but it, you know if you, if you tell a joke and it works well you make sure that stays in for the next mm-hmm. the next one mm-hmm. and and it must have taken me five ten years to come up with that little saying that that, that i've given you in five seconds so i'm glad you're using it and it just gets you started and you know and and this is the thing about mentors and things like that is like what your my my whole it it was it wasn't always uh an easy five ten twenty years so the one of the things that eases the pain for most of us who cared about those things is, is is if i can get other people and share that with them it makes it worthwhile you know so 
Um, and then eventually you'll, you'll, you maybe find, uh, you'll maybe find your own little phrase, which is, yeah. which is better still. Um, but it's a good start. So thanks for, thanks for following well, no, no, that. So, well, you're, you're so now we're going to talk about digital. There's, an, there's, another, there's another word for that, but I, I can't use it on a, on a polite podcast like this. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> storytelling is, is interesting as well. I think you know, I've always enjoyed stories. I've always enjoyed comedy. I've always enjoyed uh, communication. See a lot more about storytelling now as a, as, as a way of communication. And, and much as I... You know, I, I really like to learn about stuff. I it's sort of almost like I don't want to know because I, I was just doing it because it was me, and, and now I'm learning out why I do it. If any of you like TED talks and things, if you go on some of the TED talks about storytelling, there's some um, uh, there's an amazing guy on there. And he talks about how as you tell the story, the the, the different chemicals that it, it it releases, and how you can sort of basically manipulate people, which is which is not my intention at all. Know, but uh, <laughs> but it's 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 a very interesting thing. But I think I think you know for for not just centuries but millennia, we've all been communicating through stories, and I think it's a great way of, of getting this. So anyway, let's move on to digital because that's 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 a fun thing and will make me feel a little. That's more a bit I've been getting all these dated. questions uh, sent in uh, about, and that's the the direction we're going to take this. The part two of this podcast now. So. Digital occlusion is essentially, you know, the foundations of occlusion. What I've done with you, uh, with, with Dawson, uh, and we'll come on to the end about, um, you know, the future and stuff, but uh, it's a lot of the analog teaching, and you gave you a few snippets of the digital stuff, but uh, now that I've been using the Trio scanner for about uh, three, three, four years, and, and iTero, I'm, I'm loving the di digital workflow, and I just want to uh, learn from you and share with the listeners uh, a few tips and pearls uh, and some background information about how you merge uh, building great, uh, long-lasting occlusions and, and beautiful smiles, which go hand in hand, into the digital workflow. So you've been doing digital for a long time. Just tell us a little bit about how you got started digital and, and what percentage, is that fair to say? What percentage of your work you do is pretty much digitally oriented? I mean, I mean, I know when I was there in the Wirral, you're, you're scanning and, and you're printing your own uh, B-splints uh, in, in the practice. So you're very... Uh, far ahead, in, in, you know, from what I from compared to me, anyway. Tell us about your sort of uh, digital experience. When I was at Liverpool University, um, I say thirty-five years ago, I qualified. So a few years before that, uh, we actually had the Cerec machine, you know, and in and the, and there was a guy there, Nick Jednakiewicz, and he was uh, very, uh, he was a dental geek, um, and so we loved all that stuff, and we were we were very dissimilar in lots of ways. But I, I had an interest in dentistry, and, and I and I really had an interest in computers, um, and I was fascinated by by things like that. So it seemed like a, it seemed like a good idea. My my brother in law at the time was was uh, a designer, and he was really getting into computer aided design. And so I used to spend a bit of time up with him as actually seeing what was, what they were doing, and and I was I was thinking, this is this is phenomenal. What what we could do, you know. Um, but in those days with the static machine, you'd take a block and you put it in the machine. It would be in there for about four hours and then you'd take it out and carve it to fit the cavity <laughs> and pretend you'd done something <laughs> that was worthwhile. But it did seem like a good idea. And, 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 and then over those years, you know, we had the, the, the red cam and the blue cam and all those things. And, you know, I mean, Serac, you know, and Serona, God love them, um, were sort of market leaders in those fields. And, a lot of it was 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 based around um, single tooth dentistry, you know. So it was about it was really more about in house milling than anything else. 
And so over time, and as I got my own practices, then uh, I came to a point where, you know, we were able to, you know, again, standard was important to me. So it was important that we could make good restorations, but I was doing a lot of inlays, onlays and posterior crowns, which, which I thought I could do very nicely with, with, with digital. So we became very, very efficient um, just with in-house milling of single posterior restorations. And occasionally we'd fool around with, with anterior stuff and, you know, it was a lot more challenging and, uh, you know, there was, there was people out there showing, showing great things, but no, I, I didn't, I didn't ever really want to be a technician. I didn't really know. Uh, I, I don't know that I've got that skill set, um, but I try my best and I, you know, in the right cases, I, I'd have a little go, but it was, but that's really where we used it. And it was, it was a very useful tool, but, but then there's really been a massive leap forward. And I, I think, mm. you know, history is important and, and I've been using it for a long time, but as you say, I mean, that was more about in-house million single restorations, mainly posterior, uh, that was one side of what I did, which would fit into a bigger treatment plan if that's what I was doing, and that was that was for me to decide. But then, as you know, as I really started to, well, I think understand the analog system of complete dentistry and and examination and records, and then how to treatment plan, etc. You know, it sort of gets you wondering wondering about you know, how could you do this in the digital world? And, you know, because, you know, some of, some of the stuff that we're doing is, is, is a pain in the neck, you know, <laughs> it's, and, and so uh, one of the, one of the, the cool things is that I, I'm very fortunate as part of my teaching that um, has taken me to Scandinavia. And um, through that, I, I came across Three Shape, which is a, a Danish company. And, and they, they actually, Whereas Serona and Serec more came at it from the clinician's perspective with in-house milling, they were more a laboratory-based uh, program. And say so they were coming at it more from lab design and then sort of the, the scanner and thing was, was tacked onto the end of that. But because of that, they, they had, a, for me, they had a, a, certainly at the time a much more powerful system that they had an orthodontic program, they had a, a, a restorative program, uh, they had all these different things. And, and so then I became fascinated about how we could make all these things talk to each other. The problem, as I found out, was that they were very departmentalized as well at the time. And some of the programs were written in different languages. So they didn't talk to each other. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. So the, th- the main thing that I have going for me is that I, I, I persevere. You know, I, uh, I crack on, you know, and... Uh, and so, whereas a lot of the time people get put off, I'll, I'll usually have a little bit of a, I, I usually say a few bad words and then I go, right, well, what are we going to do to make this work or better? And, and, and at the time, of course, you know, everything gathers pace and it gathers pace because, you know, that people can spot a market because that, that helps a great deal. But then, you know, the scanners were getting better. The accuracy is improving tremendously, you know, and we were thinking, well, how can we use this to look at some of these bigger cases so you know very you know simple thing taking impressions well taking impressions is a you know you you got to get a good impression if you, if you go to a lab and you see most of the impressions that are there you'll see that the at least the second molars are missing you know and are all distorted in some way taking a good impression is a, is a difficult thing but with a scanner you get to see your impression straight away there's no escape so 
you you get to be honest with yourself about what's there. So we could certainly make sure we got some some great impressions with digital. And I didn't have, you know, instead of having to duplicate models all the time, I could press copy. I like things oh, like so that. So much better. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So so there was so there were so many things that even even simple things like that, you know, I sometimes you forget now. Um they made it so, so much better. But as you say, a lot of the time I was printing models and then put them onto an articulator and so it went on. Digital orthodontics was coming on so we could actually start to move teeth and see how these would look, which was, again, a deal better than than sawing teeth out and doing sort of Kessling setups the way we used to. In-house restorations was, was, was going real well. Also, the fact that I could work with a lab was great because, I mean, I could scan a patient and they had the information in, in seconds rather than three days. You know, I mean, nothing was worse than an impression going to a lab only to get a phone call to say, uh, no, that impression you took in is not the best, you know? Whereas now, the, if we wanted to, if we weren't sort about it, the technician could look at it straight away and go, yeah, that looks great. Let's carry on, you know? So, so it was a great communication tool. So there was so many bits and pieces that were coming together. Implants, I mean, if you look at implants, Look at digital. A lot of people associate digital with implants. Oh, well, because we've got, you know, everything is driven from CBCT and we're going to make this guide, we're going to do this. And and it sort of lends itself to that. That's just one part of it, you know. So how do you make this big picture fit together? So, you know, we come back to, you know, this sort of, you know, whether it's dorsum, whether it's spear, whether it's coist, it's about this sort of complete care and looking at the big picture and how... Oh, if you come right back to it, don't forget the complete examination. You know, digital will not save you from being a good dentist. You know, you know, you've got you, you've got to know how to examine patients, got to know how to communicate with them. We've got to know how to do some basic things, you know. But then, you know, my my training then is go, okay, this is a this is a complete patient. Um, so you know, I think you put in your email about it being a full mouth rehab. Let's think about every case not being a full mouth rehab but a full mouth consideration, a full system consideration. Yeah. So no matter how, how little we're doing, we're looking to go, if I just do that tooth, is it going to be okay? And then, you know, if it's okay, great, let's just, let's just do that, you know? But so I want to be able to look at that. And the traditional way is you would gather records. Um, and then we would, so we'd have photographs, we would have mounted models, and then we'd be able to look at that and work out diagnostics, and then work out a treatment plan about where these teeth needed to go to fulfill the goals that we'd set out to achieve. So then, you know, can we start to do those things digitally? And of course, whenever uh, whenever we, we we move to some sort of new sphere, we, we, all, we always try and just mimic what we've left behind. And so for years, you know, many of us, and me included, I can certainly say seven, eight years of trying to copy that system Exactly. Digital brings new tools and new ways. A year or two ago, every what you're trying to say is that you were you were using digital, but to trying to conform it in the workflows that you had within analog, right? Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Okay, so, so, yeah. so, so, where is it heading now? So, well, what what you need to do is every, every so often. Not, not very often in my life, but every so often you get a moment of clarity, you know, and you think, <laughs> what, what, what am I actually doing? And, you know, you, you, you get so obsessed. I mean, so obsessed with inventing a digital face bow, you know, it's like, oh, and, I, and there's so many hurdles and you just, you know, get into that. When do you think, 
okay, and we'll, we'll save this for a little bit, but, but what is it I'm trying to achieve? What is it I actually need to do? Does digital have new ways of being able to do that rather than just trying to copy the old ways of doing it? Yeah? And so there's things that have made me rethink. And, and it's, about, it's about going back to basics. What is it I'm about to achieve? What, what is it I'm trying to achieve? Um, you know, you very kindly sort of mentioned Pete, and, and, and I say in, in no way would I ever compare myself to Pete. I mean, he's a, a, just the most amazing guy, you know. But, but when we, historically, if you look at the old nathological days and, you know, the, all the, the, the way we would try and measure everything and, you know, then we'd say how everything worked perfectly when it didn't really you know, because patients aren't symmetrical. They don't have mandibles that are the same size. They do have a bit of flex in there. Um, you know, there's, there's, they're, they're not made of metal. You know, uh, it, there's, biology is horrible. You know, it just it does dreadful things to us, you know. So, so but, but articulators were our best guess. And, and as, a, as a younger guy, Pete came up with this thing, but he said, well, you know what, we do all these things and it's all great, but really what's it about? Well, what it's about is how do we work ahead of time, make sure that when we actually get the patient in the chair, we're as efficient and predictable and productive as possible. That's it. That's the basic thing. And so what Pete was saying was, well, you know, if I use a semi-adjustable articulator and I use a face bow and we, we do this, I'm going to be pretty darn close. And so it's going to take me much less time up front, but I'm going to save myself a lot of time at the end maybe just as much as time as you did when you spent 10 times more time up front, you know? So, and that was the, that was the whole deal of that analog uh, workflow. And certainly, you know, you can call it Dawson philosophy. It's actually spirit, it's coist, it's all those things. Cause all those people came from, from, from Pete's, Pete's idea, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, if you if you read Pete's book, you know, and I was fortunate to get these stories firsthand, but if you read Pete's book, he talks about, you know, it's one of his favorite things was called Blood on the Walls, where he was invited to the Nathological Society's meeting, you know, when um, and to hear his new way of doing things. And there was like a thousand dentists there. And 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 so Pete gave his, his presentation uh, and everyone's very polite. And then there was a lunch and... Uh, and then the speakers were introduced at the lunch and they introduced everyone. Then the, the guy who was the, the big nathological cheese said, you know, uh, and of course, Peter, we want to thank Peter Dawson for his presentation, but we will continue to do the harder right rather than the easier wrong. And, you know, to be, you know, to be put down like that in front of all those people as a, as a relatively young man would, would see most of us off. Mm -hmm. no, but, but, but Peter had, Peter had a, a lot of self-confidence and, and a lot of belief. And, you know, that sort of just sort of stiffened his resolve a little bit. And he, he was also fortunate because the next guy that, that got up to speak uh, was one of the, again, one of the other big cheeses. And he, he came up in you know, with a big pile of papers. He says, you know, this, is the, this lecture is the one that I prepare for more than anything else. He said, but after what Peter's just told us, I think I just need to rip it up and start again. And, wow. And so, <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, and this, you know, so for me, uh, again, in, in no way a comparison, but, but I think we're at the same point, which is, oh, well, that doesn't work. This doesn't work. No, 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 no. It, it does work. It, it's just different. 
And mm -hmm. so what we're trying to do is how do we spend time up front, which just allows us to plan the cases so that when we come to put this into the patient's mouth, we're pretty close. And then all we have to do is a little bit of refinement. And when you start to think about it like that, some of these digital tools are amazing. And they're so much better than what we've ever had in the analog world. I just want to, before I forget, before we get into details of stuff or whatever, mm. there's, there's one part of it that people don't talk about so much. Um, it's almost like a different field, which is this complete dentistry and full mouth rehabs or whatever you want to call them only happen when the patient says yes. Yes, absolutely. No? We as dentists are dreadful communicators. And we, we say things like, oh, Mrs. Jones, you know, you need, you need 17 crowns and you need to have uh, equal intensity contacts and posterior disclusion and this and this and this. So when would you like to get started? And we wonder why they don't do it. You know? Digital is a fantastic communication tool. Okay. So... Now, when we, when we talk about digital, we, we could talk about ways that we can use it in examination, and we certainly use it as uh, for, for intraoral scans, for getting models. You know, I think that's a routine thing these days. We take photographs. Photographs are, you know, you know, Jazz, because you've heard me say, but they're, they're a great record of what we've done today. They're a great communication tool so that patients can see what we can see. And they also help us in our, in our, in our planning, in our two-dimensional planning. So photographs are still a real important thing. But we, we, we need to find ways of engaging with the patients. And it comes back to that sort of story with Amy, which is right at the beginning, which is what, what are they here for? What's their motivators? You know, because, you know, they often are motivated by, they might be motivated by aesthetics. And we're talking to them about biology. You know, now, if you've got, again, one of my interests was sort of personality types and things. But if you've got that sort of I personality, party person, and you start telling them about, you know, the, the bacteria that's causing their periodontal disease, it, it might be very correct. And it, it might be uh, exactly the right thing to do, but it's probably not going to stimulate them to clean their teeth. You know, I, I need to find the motivator. I need to think to find the thing that's going to motivate you to do this, this work. Not for my benefit, but for your benefit. So again, one of the great things about aesthetics is people want beautiful smiles, but if they want a beautiful smile, it allows you to access the health benefits for them. You know? So it helps us improve their biology because nothing looks better than a nice, natural, beautiful smile. So, and you know, we do nice things for people, then hopefully they look after it. So that's all part of that deal. So, you know, um, I use digital you know, in examination, but then I also use it as, as an engagement tool. It, it's a real way of engaging with the patient. What's, what's their prime motivation? And I've sort of divided it into, into three main groups. Are they, you know, just, just because everyone's like acronyms these days, are they a functional patient? Are they aesthetic patient? Or are they more of a biological patient? So okay. it could be like a, a fab patient, you know, and, and very often it's a combination of all those things. But what, you know, is if someone's motivated biology, that's going to speed right up our track because we love biology. We love caries and 
patio and things like that. So that that's easy enough. We can show them pictures and we can tell them what it is that needs to improve that. Those things are great. But a lot of the patients that I see, are, 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 a huge amount of them are motivated by aesthetics. You know, even even old fogies like me, we like to 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 look decent you know most of us want to look younger and healthier and uh, whatever so um that's certainly a big motivation and and some people are motivated by function as well because they 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 can't chew properly they can't eat properly or maybe they've lost teeth and and how are you going to make this work for me so so we can use these tools to help the patient understand what's possible you know and and so so much uh easier than ever we could so if we take let's take the aesthetic one because that's the one that, that that probably is the most common one now yeah and is also it's it's sort of out there in the in the in the in the bigger domain you know one of one of the things i learned from cosmetic dentistry 25 years ago um you know was the motivation of, of, of sort of smile design you know and you know with with digital smile design now you know it's a it's it's a reinvention of an old theme, you know, but uh, Emotional good luck dentistry. to them, you know. I, I, well, I'm, I'm always a little, I, I'm always a little wary of the emotional phrase, you know, because yeah. I know they call it that, but, you know, it's like there's a thing called buyer's remorse, um, you know, <laughs> so just be, just, be, just be aware of emotions, you know. So let's, let's call it motivational dentistry or engagement <laughs> or something like this, but... Um, you know, maybe I just can't help being a dentist, but you know, just be just be careful of the emotional side of things. You know, let's 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 figure out what's their motivation, and then talk to them in those terms. So, you know, one of the again in the you know, and certainly back to Pete's day and 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 people since then is like, oh well, we take all these models and things, and then we mount them up, and then we spend four hours doing our wax up, and then we show that to the patients, and they're bound to say yes. And, and we all said. Oh, okay. That's, that's fabulous. You know, and actually most people are prepared to go along with it because they never do it. Uh, and, and those of us that did do it, were so invested in it that we didn't want to say that we weren't that good at it. So it didn't always work out great. Mm. Uh, the honest truth is, and I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a bit of a observer of humankind is that the, 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 the dentists that I saw that were fabulous at, at it were actually they were good clinicians, but more than anything else, they were great um, uh, communicators. And they 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 communicated to the patients their problems, and they communicated the, the problems to the patients in the terms that the patient wished to receive them. And so, and that's why they were successful. That's why they got to do the work, you know. So, um, and the the cool thing with with digital now is that we can do um, smile mockups and things like this. And we can share our vision because someone can walk in and that just to be arrogant for a moment. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know I can sort of see what I could do for you. But you've always got to remember they can't share that vision. You've, we've got to find ways of sharing the vision with them. So, you know, and digital, whether it's photographs, whether it's a 2D smile where we can show them befores and afters and we can do it, we can do a 2D smile now in 10 minutes with, with the great software that we have, or whether it's like an additive mock-up where we can, you know, I mean, the, 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 the way that, that we do it is we will put down certain markers. I mean, I can't, can't do it myself, but I'll send it to the lab. They would do the design. They send me the STL file. We print the model. We make the stents. We put that in the patient's mouth. You know, I mean, it's so, so efficient. Mm. And, 
you know, it's it rather than you know, the, for me, there was a hole that we all fell into, which was this thing, which is I need to do a wax up. I can either I can spend four hours and it's going to look pretty average, or I can pay the technician, but I'm not sure that the patient's going to say yes. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's a big debate. The, yeah, and so and that, that's the way I was brought up because people always said yes to Pete, you know, because by the time they got to see Pete Dawson, it was a done deal, you know. But Ian Buckle's a different person. You know? It's like yeah, I get patients. It's like they they've got kids at university. They'd rather go on holiday. They just got made redundant. <laughs> All sorts of things yes. going on. I have lots of I, I have lots of patients, as I probably told you, with Buckle syndrome, which means they've got lots of problems and very little money. Um, <laughs> no, and so I, I want to have solutions um, that can help them as well, and that's why design is such an important thing. So, so being able to do additive mock-ups simply, quickly. And cheaply is a big thing, and we can do that now. You know, we can are, do that. Are these so digital wax ship. ups significantly cheaper than, like, for example, if you send a traditional wax up to a good lab, you're, you're kind of looking at twenty five to even fifty pound a unit of wax up. You know, can you, can, you know that that's significant? Um, what uh, has digital made it quicker, easier, and more cost effective to turn around this model that you can transfer? for a uh, 3D uh, motiv- motivational sort of a mock-up, if you like. So like, like this, is, this, is where the, this is where there's a, a really important part, uh, Jess. So let me try and explain this. So there's a difference between what we might call an facial mock-up, just to show people the way it is, you know, mm-hmm. which, which in, with, uh, you know, in my, on sitting on my high chair, judging everyone, I would look down upon because where's the function in this? So there's a difference between that and a proper fully functional diagnostic wax up. But there's a big gap between patient fully functional diagnostic wax up. This additive mock-up can be the link, I think. Well, I know it is. No, I it certainly is in my hands and in my practice. Because we can do those. And I'm working with some of the labs right now. We're going to be you're going to be seeing some things pretty soon, where we can do those inexpensively, okay? Brilliant. For a lot less than the because because that's the problem. You're sitting there thinking I need to spend let's say thirty pounds a tooth on this. You know, if it's a smile, let's say it's eight teeth. Um, you know, and you're saying to a patient, okay, it's sort of let's say five hundred pounds to do this. It's like that's a that's a big leap for someone that's not sure. No, if you've got someone who's, who's totally motivated, that's a different thing. But that's those are the easy ones, you know. But you know, we have a lot of patients who aren't sure, and to spend five hundred pounds to do something that they're not convinced about. So the journey, as far as I'm concerned, with engagement is, you know, first of all, photos and doing all the things that we do. I, I don't want to lose track of that. I think a great co-diagnostic examination where we're explaining to patients what the problems are and how we can help them with what they'd like to achieve is super important. Photographs, real simple and really, really important. And then, and then we, come to, we come to that decision. Is this a, a general patient, someone who just wants to deal with the biology? Or maybe this is a complete patient in waiting, you know? Like my, 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 one of my mentors, Larry Gazzardo, tells me, you know, so don't, don't forget, date them before you marry them. You know, it's, it's, it's not a bad idea to get to know someone 
before you start doing big stuff, you know. And you know, Tiff Koreshi, as you know, is a big pal of mine, and you know, Tiff talks about the same things. You know, these things don't have to. You know, this you see all this stuff. I mean, on Facebook and Instagram, and all, as as if like the patient came in, we did that. The patient came in, we did that. There's nothing wrong with getting to know people, you know. And you know, if biology needs to be resolved, let's get that resolved. But at the same time, we're getting to know them. We're seeing whether to respond. Do they turn up? You know, uh, do they pay their bills? Uh, so we can get to know someone before we move to that next stage. Um, but let's say we show them the photos and they're showing interest. Well, you know, we can do a 2D smile design with some very simple software. I mean, we tend to do that for free. It takes about 10 minutes and we, it gives them an idea. And then and if you they're do motivated. That yourself, you know, I'm just learning about that because I want to make it tangible for, for those listening. So this part you do yourself or is that something that you're now outsourcing? To labs because labs offer so, this um, sort of smile mock-up service in 2d images so so let, let, let's just talk about that for a moment to so try and keep my focus on the on the bigger picture but well let's just talk about that for a moment i'm really really keen on our relationship with 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 good technicians who know what it is that we're doing uh, and it, you know i i have a lot of tremendous uh technician friends uh and so when I say this, I, I'm not trying to be unkind to anyone. But again, like we talk about the orthodontist who has the same goals, we have to work with someone who has the same goals. You can't just send this to someone and get what they think. You know, we, we, we need someone who is on the same, uh, on the same page as us. Now, I'm fortunate I, uh, I work with uh, Lee Kolp over in the state, Shemek Svenek, who's over in Sweden, you know, uh, and we just communicate digitally. I work with Phil Reddington. A lot of you know of Beaver, who's all tremendous. Uh, we do different things together. But we have the same goals, and they know what my goals are. They know what it is that I'm looking to achieve. So, you know, we need to, we need to be able to do that. But if, you know, as far as this is concerned, we're, we can get the technicians to do as much or as little as we like. So my journey with this is when the Smile Design software first came out, I thought it was a pain in the neck. So I used to get Chemek to do it for me. Now it's real easy. So I learned how to do it. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a, uh, an old fashioned leader, you know, in that I like to stand at the front waving my gun saying, follow me. So it's like, I would use it to start off with and I learned how to do it. And now, you know, my, my, uh, assistants, um, you know, they're not, they're not nurses because so, they do so much for me, you know. But my assistants are trained to do it, so they, they would do the smile design for me in, in 10 minutes or so, you know. So, so That's brilliant. We, yeah, no, and, and, and this is the thing, and this is the, you know, so, so by all means, you can take the pictures, send it to one of these great labs, and they'll do something for you, no problem. Very often they'll do that for free, they'll see, because it doesn't take them long to do. But because we've got the software, we're able to show someone Real well. And, you know, I mean, as far as your staff is concerned, you know, there's, do they want to just stand there and, and suck spit and mix usual, Or would they like to be taking photos, doing smile designs, doing all these things, and really making the, the most of their job? You know, so those are the people that I'm looking for. So, so in our practice, we started off, the technician was helping me, then I learned how to do it, and now mainly the staff are doing it. I still do it occasionally, try and keep my hand in but you can choose whichever of those is appropriate for you. What I'm hoping is that you just get involved. And once you get involved, you'll see the benefits in learning yourself and getting your staff trained as well. Okay. So that's the 2D smile design. The, the additive smile design, I think, is something that you could probably learn. But 
you know, to be honest with you, I, I, I have guys, uh, you know, in, in various parts of the world who are amazing at doing this. And here's another, here's another obstacle for us. Oh, this stuff costs so much money. Well, why? Well, it costs money because we have to buy the software and then we have to spend lots of time learning how to do it. If I know someone who knows how to do it and I can des- if I can describe to them exactly what it is that I want, they do it. Then we go on TeamViewer and I can say, could you change this or this or this? They make those tweaks just to make it look as though I'm actually in control. And then, <laughs> and then, they, send me the, then, then they send me the STL file and we print the STL file. And now we have... Uh, you know, a, a, a smile design in, you know, in no time at all, you know, um, really, really efficient, very, very uh, effective and cheap uh, and a great way. How of cheap are we talking in? Because I, I want, I want numbers. I want numbers. <laughs> you want you, you, well, you, you would want numbers. This is something I'm working on with, with some of the labs at the moment. Okay. Uh, Good. And I know no one's listening, Jazz, because I know what I, I've learned from when your time with us that no one would listen to you anyway. So, so I know no one's listening anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> um, but as you say, I mean, typically you're looking 20, 30, 40 pound a unit. I, I think we can definitely do these things because, you know, there's, there's two ways I was looking at this is if I said, by the time I've got the patient to this point where I'm thinking of doing this, what's the number that I think would be high enough to to get rid of the cat, the, t- the tire kickers, but low enough to have them do it. Okay. Sure. And I think somewhere between two and 300 pounds is, is a reasonable figure. So if we could do this for say 15, 10 to 15 pounds per tooth, it's costing you maybe 120, 150. And you said to them, you know, Mrs. Jones, we could, we could do this and we can actually show you what this has looked like in your mouth for 200 pounds. I think that's a good place to be. Um, and I've spoken to lots of other people about it. And I, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I'm not a great one for, for totally free. Uh, I think we do ourselves down by that. Um, I think there's lots of people out there who will take the mickey out of you for it um, and, and take advantage of you. Uh, and you know I'm being polite right now. So, <laughs> um, but I think that's a, that's a figure that, you know, if we could, if we could bring that, uh, additive smile design in for you know somewhere between 100 to 150 pounds, and you were charging the patient 200 pounds. I think that's a good place to be. I think if the patient isn't isn't willing to invest 200 pounds at that stage, it's probably not going to happen. You know, so that's that's sort of what I'm working at. But let me tell you this: it's not just an additive smile design, okay? Because this is the thing, isn't it? Which is Okay, so we put this in the patient's mouth mm-hmm. and they, they go, wow, that's amazing. And then we have to start again to work out how to make it work. Okay. So let's, let's think about being able to use that additive smile design to really enable function. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's think about the three, the three main things that we talk about in, in function and treatment planning function. Upper incised ledge position, lower incised ledge position, vertical dimension. Okay. So if you think about it, if we do an additive smile design really nicely, we have the upper incised ledge position, we have the lower incised ledge position, and then what we need is a little bit of knowledge to work out the vertical dimension. And now we have everything in place 
to do the full diagnostic wax up. So, so it's it feeds not into just, the next part. That's fantastic. It feeds into the next part and will make the next part even easier still. So let's take the, the simple one. People don't think it is necessarily the simple one, but the simple one is generalized wear, you know, because it's easy because we're going to, without going into the occlusion bit, open the bite a little bit, have some space. So if we add a couple of millimeters to the upper incised ledge and maybe a millimeter to the lower incised ledge, then we can see how that looks in the patient's face. And then we've just got to think about where do they come together? Do we reduce at the back? Do we add to the front? Or is it a combination of those two things? Uh, and that's, that might be the, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big topic, as you, as you know. Um, and that's far, far beyond the, a podcast episode, but it's just getting the, wetting everyone's appetite for, for digital understanding or workflows, Ian. And, and already you've you know, told us about the, how easy it, it now can be to have that 2D motivational photo and to the extent that now you've got your um, staff trained, which is amazing. And then you've talked about uh, going to the additive mock-ups and how that can feed in to the, to the next part. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's really great. So, well, let's, let, let's also think as well, Jez, about sort of how that whole, whole thing fits together, because we talked a lot about individual parts there, you know, so um, that's sort of the whole picture. So, and, and you said to me, you know, one of the questions you asked or, or mentioned to me was about when I take a bite at the right vertical, I, I seem to be very successful. Uh, and that's absolutely one of the keys. It's an old trick that we used to use with, with splints. Um, mm -hmm. that if we took the bite at the right vertical, we didn't need all the face bow stuff um, or all the, all, all the big articulator because we weren't playing with the arc of closure. It's the same with these things. So if we're just playing a little bit with that, maybe we don't need all the old style face bow stuff. Now, there are times, and the key is to understand when those are, when we might need a little bit more information. Um, but... But to, to come back and say, okay, what's your protocol, Ian, for, for um, records for smile design, for mouth rehabs, comprehensive yeah. patients? Well, you know, so we do our, we do our complete examination. We do uh, photographs. We talk to the patient about what's there in the terms that they would like to receive it. Um, and then if they're motivated from the aesthetic perspective, then we'll show them a 2D smile design and we'll get them, and then we'll get them, uh, if they're then motivated to spend that, let's say, two hundred pounds on their on their smile design, then we'll move forward with that. Now, for that, here's what I'll take: is I will take um, scans. Now, for those of you, because um, I was only joking before, I know loads of people listen to you. So, for those of you who are analog and would like to stay analog, you can still take impressions, and we can have those scanned by the technician. Okay, so this you can get into this whichever way you want. For me, the real power of digital is in wax ups and treatment planning, et cetera. So you can take that, we can take an impression and have it scanned. You know, obviously, I'm, again, I'm hoping that you eventually you just say, oh, it's a waste of time that we should just get a scanner, you know? Um, but we take the scans, we take um, a bite registration, and the bite registration that I'm going to take, I'm going to take it from my place in a stable condo position, you can choose whichever way you'd like to do it. I'm gonna choose a stable condo position and I'm gonna choose the vertical dimension that I think is most appropriate for that patient. So you know, there's, a few, there's, there's obviously some thinking that goes into that that we could maybe discuss another time. So we take a, a bite at that stage and then often now we'll take a face scan as well. 
And the reason why we take a face scan is because the photographs, we can, we can set the, the patient up pretty well uh, using the photograph. But with a face scan now, I mean, I can, I can take my, my iPhone out and I can take a face scan on this. And then we can use that and we can, we can with things like Bellus 3D, we can incorporate mm. the intraoral scans together with CBCT scans into the patient's face and we have a virtual patient. No? And now the technician can actually see the teeth sitting in the patient's face. I mean, what? I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? You know. And uh, that, when that you think about that, essentially, also, is your face burn then, right? Done. So, but, but before we get yeah, into that, to, to that, I mean, uh, this whole scanning, this whole scanning the face, something I'm not doing at the moment. It's it's very new concept uh, for for me. And you you mentioned some software that you can use for that. Uh, in terms of one of the questions I had sent in, is that. If you're uh, relying on your photographs to become your digital Facebook, uh, is that a, a good entry point uh, into transferring that information? And if you don't mind, Ian, just for the listeners uh, who are hungry, a lot of young dentists listen, what is the main benefit of um, a Facebook in, in, in general cases? You know, why would you, why, why even bother, right? Uh, and then how would you transfer that using photographs to a laboratory along with the scan? Is that a predictable way or not? So, so this is where you have to come back to basics. You know, I, mm. I think in the analog world, a face bow, um, you know, so where that came from in the old mathological days was a hinge axis recording, which, uh, you know, if any of the younger guys or girls want to go on and, and look at that, by all means do so, but it looks like something from a museum. And there's still, there's still things that we can talk about with hinge axis. It's quite interesting because I'm sad. Uh, but you know, we then move to this ear bow or face bow, whatever you want to call it. There's a few different varieties out there. And, and really what we were using then is like, this is a quick and easy way of transferring information to an instrument, which in some way replicates the masticatory system. That's, that's what it's for. So what did it do? Well, it went in the ears. So we said, well, that's, we're relating the top teeth to where the condyles are. Okay. We're also then that's going to help us with the arc of closure because that's important if we're going to take a bite at an open bite, open register, open vertical, or if we're going to play with the vertical dimension. And it also, we then also then used it to give us some idea of the incisal plane. So let's, Blow up a few sacred cows, uh, you know, seeing as it's just me and you. There. Has to be done. Has to be done. Let's, Let's think go. about that. Well, well, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you're in the analog world, this is still a great way of doing it, okay? Because it's going to give you a lot of great information, and I've done it for years, and it works fab. You know? So, but let's think about it. So we put it in the ears. Well, where did the, you know, we're actually looking for the medial pole of the condyle. Unless you're pressing real hard, you're not getting to, you're not getting there. So they you know, far too hard. So you know what does what do most face bows do? I think they allow you know, excuse my uh, lack of knowledge, but it's something like nine millimeters because that's where we think that is. Well, look at my fat head, and then look at lovely slim jazz. I think we're probably a little different. So we're making an assumption straight away, okay? And then if we're going to use it to get the incisal plane, what are we going to do? I'm actually going to fudge it round in the ears a little bit. Oh, that's, that's super accurate. Okay. Um, and then 
it's going to be the arc of closure. Mm, okay. So you can see that it's, it's, it's good and it's quick and it's easy and it works better than, than the other stuff, better than doing nothing. But here's the thing. If we think about all of those pieces that we just said is, why do we need the arc of closure? Well, we need the arc of closure if we're going to mess with the vertical. But if we actually take the bite at as close to the right vertical as possible, maybe that's much less important, okay? Which is why you've been successful with those things, as you mentioned to me. So just, just to roll successful. it back, I mean, uh, the reason Ian mentioned this, guys, uh, I emailed Ian a little bit of, uh, about what we're going to talk about. And one thing I told him was my experience of digital so far is when I've recorded the, the vertical dimension, near about where I want the patient to end up before I restore them, I found that once I've done there, and typically it's, it, it, it's composite with my level experience at the moment, moving more to ceramic, but at my level at the moment, quite junior, doing a lot of composite work uh, and um, transferring the sort of uh, digital wax up into the mouth uh, and then getting the patient to close together. And this is after usually I've deprogrammed them. We're using a deprogramming appliance and that's a whole another section we can talk about. I found that when they bite together, I've got these beautiful contacts uh, and the excursions are just where I want them. So it just needs a bit of polishing. And the first time I did it, it blew my mind. I thought I fluked it. Then the couple of times I did it, it, was, it became very reproducible. And it's exactly the reason what Ian just said. You know, When you record it at the vertical, you remove that element of potential error of actually um, opening the vertical. So, so that's what Ian's been, been, been talking about. Uh, and now going forward from that, the questions we've had is, We've essentially answered it, Ian. The, the virtual face bow is essentially what you're using is, 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 a, is a face scan incorporated. But one thing I perhaps misinterpreted was that you said the CBCT, but if you've got a comprehensive patient who does not need uh, implants, but you're doing comprehensive dentistry, so you want to transfer that information, would you be taking a CBCT to, to, uh, to, as part of your records to then be able to relate that to a virtual Facebook. Okay, so let's let's talk about relating uh, or so that, that virtual Facebook thing and see if this answers the the, the question for you. You know, um, one of the things that relates to that correct vertical, the correct vertical only works with a stable condylar position. So that's a, just let's be clear about that. Um, so if we think about what we've just said about face bows and how uh, we relate the teeth to that and, and how do we do it, um, we can choose a photograph um, that will give that will be reasonable. Um, you know, there's certain things we put to 2D to 3D. We can use a face scan, which will give us uh, more information still. We can use uh, a CBCT scan if we have one. Now, I, I, I think it's grossly inappropriate to be taking CBCT scans to mount models. You know, um, you know, many of the patients that I treat have joint issues, ortho issues, implant issues, um, and I've got good reason to take uh, full volume CBCTs. But I also have a lot of patients, more smile design, it's inappropriate. You know? um, so we're, we're taking appropriate radiographs, appropriate uh, um, radiation. And so if we have one, that's probably the most accurate way of doing it. But if we don't have one, perhaps a face scan is the most accurate way of doing it. And the next thing that we can mention, so let's, but there's a reality to all this as well. A photo is quick and easy and cheap. We all know how to do it. Mm -hmm. A face scan these days is quick and easy and cheap, and it's easy to learn how to do. CBCTs, 
if they're necessary, are there. You know, that's that's one. Then we have things like module, which are more like jaw trackers, etc. And they can give us tremendous information, and we can combine that. We can combine that information with the interaural scan, with the um, CBCTs, and we can actually see. We can actually record the hinge axis. What used to take us hours would take five minutes these days. You know, so it's amazing information that we can get from stuff like that. But there's a cost that comes with that, and I, I, my 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 goal with these things is to get the best treatment for patients, for my patients. And then if I can encourage other dentists to do the same, then I think I've spent my time well. And my, my other goal is, is to get dentists sufficiently interested that it makes their want to treat patients well, but also makes their days more interesting, you know, because we all spend eight hours or so here. You know, you may as well have a, an interesting day. And, Absolutely. You know, no, but, but also as well, I think many of us over time have bought expensive pieces of kit that didn't we didn't particularly get a return on the investment, you know. So, so you know, things like module, I think, are, are great. I, I think there's huge amounts that we're going to learn from things like that, as far as uh, research and education, and I think as far as you know, treatments concerned, it's a really valuable tool. I think at the moment it's 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 at the high end of cost. It's not something that I, I would suggest go out and buy one. If you like stuff like that, go out and buy one. You'll have great fun with it. It's great fun, uh, and you might be you know you'll be able to. Uh, patients will think you're amazing. Uh, all those great things. So I think it's a great tool to have if you're going to make use of it every day. Okay, um, I think that going forward, uh, these. Uh, these sort of technologies will get incorporated more into what into the other things that we've spoken about, um, and like everything else, they'll tend to come down in price a little bit, and and it will become part of what we do. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced about that. Um, at the moment, there are things you know. I think in some of the cases that I do, module is incredibly important, but for some of the simpler things that we do, it's interesting, but it's not as important. Mm-hmm. So I think if we look at that, you know, so I don't, you know, because the people at Module are fantastic, and I and I encourage you to look at it and to think about it. And if it rings, if it floats your boat, get yourself one and get involved. And and you know, I mean, I I, I'm really enjoying working with it myself, you know. Um, but it's 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 no good having something like that if you're doing just a couple of fillings every day. You know, it's it's not going to help you too much. Um. So let's, so let's just recap over those. So we can use a photograph, simple, easy, cheap. Going to give you a decent result. Face scan, simple, easy, and cheap. Going to give you a pretty good result. Um, CBCT, if appropriate. So relatively simple, easy, and, and cheap if it's, if it's the right thing to do. And super accurate. And then module, super accurate, but a little bit more expensive. That's, that's the overarching thing. And then let's compare that to Facebow, easy, cheap and you know i've then have to take the facebook take the models mount the models do all those things lots of time you know i mean now i can take my take my scans take my bite registration and check my first point of contact in 10 seconds usually we'd have to cast the models 
mount the upper model with a face bow, mount the lower model with a, with a bite registration, and maybe two days later, I get to check the bite. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'd sort of forgotten about that until one of my pals actually pointed out to me. He goes, well, you do that right away. And well, yeah, yeah, so I can tell if I'm, if I, if I'm on, the, on the money straight away. You know, so there's so many things that um, help us predictability, efficiency, productivity. Um, that I, I think it, we just got to think differently. So that's 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 the that's my view on Facebooks now. I think if you're in the analog world, it's still a great way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I think we have other ways which are, let's say, just as effective. Well, that was the most uh, common question that had come up. So thanks to those who sent it in. Now, in the interest of time, we're, 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 we're going to have to wrap up. So uh, the, the, one of the questions which I think like, is, I, I do want to learn about is uh, Sid Gupta. If you remember from, from Dawson, I met him at one of the Dawson events. Sid, uh, yeah. young dentist. And when he, when he you know, one of the part of the, the courses that we did with you is that we get to present our cases. And his photography and his motivation was just Fantastic. I believe he's in Wales. Fantastic young dentist. Really great work. Uh, he wants to know when your uh, digital course is coming out. So if you'd answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as you may have, may know already, I'm probably about the worst salesman as far as dental courses out there is concerned. So um, they are coming soon to a, probably, probably to, unfortunately, to a webinar near you. So but they're, <laughs> they're coming soon. I'm working with the, I'm working with the guys. What, what we're hoping to do um, I, I'm actually, that's, as soon as I finish with you, that's, that's my afternoon is working on, on, on those digital courses. Um, because what we're aiming to do, uh, and it's, it's, it's a little bit related to this beautiful COVID situation that we're all in, but actually it was something that I was working on before, which is, you know, the idea that we could have smaller groups in, in a location that was more, uh, appropriate for you. So, you know, Say for Sid down in down in Wales because let's face it, who else wants to go to Wales? And uh, I haven't been rude about them for ages. You know, for for those of you who don't know, uh, probably fifty percent of my patients are Welsh. So, you know, we always mean to the people who live next door. You know, so and I'm a scouser, so I've got no chance, have I? So, um, <laughs> but but the idea is that maybe we could have five. Is that the that we would do a little bit of locate uh, lecture, which would be centralised, and then in that smaller location, you would then do uh, a hands-on exercise. So let's take, say, taking the untraw scan, taking the, the bite at the right vertical. So, so we're going to be rolling those things out pretty, pretty soon. There'll always be the opportunity to come here and, uh, and, and time me where, where I do it. But, uh, you know, so that's, but, but you're going to be seeing those things very soon. And you know what, you know, what's, what's, what's great for me you know, is, is, is you're very kindly invite me to this sort of thing, Jazz. And I, I know you have a lot of uh, uh, listeners and, and, and people like Sid, you know, it's what's been very, very rewarding uh, in recent times is to have these, these, these young people who are far more motivated than I ever was at that age. I know, well, if, if we can just encourage them to do a little bit of learning every day, uh, every week, every month, they're just going to be so, such great dentists and get such um, payback from this, and their patients are going to be so well looked after. You know that spending our time doing these things will be well worthwhile. You know, so the courses are coming soon. 
Jazz, I'll try and make sure that you're the first to know. And if you can let these people know, that would be fabulous. Yeah, I, I want to put that um, on because usually the, uh, people you swap me on Instagram for, for information, whereas it's usually on the website, protrusive.co.uk. So when it's out, I'll update the, the, the sort of blog post associated with this episode. Uh, so we've covered a, a fair bit. I mean, it's impossible to to, to get into nitty gritty detail bits uh, that we all we all love in, in, in just a, a video over 45 minutes or so, which is which was the aim. But uh, I think we've covered a, a good deal to whet everyone's appetite about uh, getting the, I mean, you talked about communication. That's so, so important about how to, how to actually communicate and find out what motivates that patient. So that itself was just phenomenal. We talked about 2D Smile. We talked about the additive mock-up and how you uh, price that. So we talked about the business element as well. It's like a, it's like a lost leader, but it's, it's one way to, 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 to get that patient on board with mm-hmm. the vision and how you beautifully took it to the next stage with um, implementing it into the upper incisal, the lower incisal, and the vertical dimension. We talked about a few hacks with the vertical uh, dimension in central or stable condylar position, uh, and it's come uh, beautifully to, to full circle now. So, uh, Ian, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to, to put out there? Ah, you know, it's a, it's a big old subject. I think, you know, it's a combination, I mean, of... Um, new ways of doing things digital is exciting you know i mean as i've been doing this 35 years my my daughter's just starting just about she's with all this a-level chaos uh she just got into do physio chatfield so it looks like i'm going to be working for a while longer yet um while <laughs> while we're going to work you know i i think we we have a duty to our patients to do the best we can and we have a duty to ourselves to us enjoy uh every day as much as we can as well. So, uh, and all these things help us to do that. And so I, I appreciate your time and I appreciate your listeners time, uh, in listening to, uh, us, uh, go on about dentistry. Uh, but we spend a lot of time doing it. We may as well make it as, as fun and, uh, productive and, and beneficial as we possibly can. So that that's sort of what it's all about. I really appreciate that. Thanks so much, Ian. Uh, and uh, I, I will catch you at the digital course probably. Thank you. I hope so. Thank you. So there we have it. I did tell you that you would love his stories and I really hope you gained value from that. As always, I really appreciate you listening all the way to the end. If you could do me a massive favor and go on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and whichever podcast platform you're listening from, uh, please hit subscribe and please tell a friend. That's how the podcast grows. Next episode is going to be awesome. It's with Payman Lungrudi all about whitening in a way that you've never thought about before. Like, how can we do more whitening? Why we should be doing more whitening? And a few tips and pearls to get better, successful teeth whitening outcomes. So come and join me on that one next week. Same time, same place. Mm